Welcome to Chucked. Glad to be with you today on this fine September morning. It's rainy where we are right now. And we have a lot to talk about today. And one of our favorite subjects is going to be the common denominator today, Austin. And that is grit, the subject of grit. When you talk about, must we talk about Baker Mayfield? Is somebody <laughs> going to make us talk about Baker Mayfield and Tiger Woods? Oh, yeah. Uh, we, the common denominator there is, is grit mm-hmm. and growth. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been this cool sports weekend because we had the Labor Cup, we had the Tour Championship, we had the NFL, we had the Buckeyes. So for us, it was a tremendous weekend. And then we had some church mixed in there. That happened. And, yeah, know, that happened too, three <laughs> times. Uh, and uh, so start us off. What do you, what do you, well, you and all, I were Those are all a lot better topics than what we were just talking about for those of you that, yes, yeah. that weren't here when the record we're, button was pushed. We were talking about the Church of Satan. So. Yeah. So what <laughs> that is. Stuff. Yeah, for those of you listening, I was, I was telling my dad here that I didn't know this, but the Church of Satan is, is, um, it is the unbelief of personalities, spiritual personalities and beings. So, so there's a fact for you if you didn't know that. They don't believe in Satan. Um, Which I couldn't make them, arguably, the most deceived people on the planet. Because Satan has duped them into saying we don't believe in him, but actually promoting him. Uh, Yeah, my my mentor says that he quotes all the time from the Usual Suspects: the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was making people believe he didn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, um, speaking of the devil, the Steelers won last night. Yeah. Um, So this was this was important for me because um, I have I was in a heated debate all day. Most not all day. That's a lie. I lied um, for like an hour yesterday uh, with Steve Holt, associate pastor here at Southbrook, and Eric Fleming, middle school pastor, and we got into some rhetoric about um, the top five teams in the NFL right now. Right now, hmm. not which is which is seems like a premature thing to do going into week four, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but it's fun too because it because you, you take out what you think will be. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. so you know what we think would be might be the Patriots, but um, we're talking about right now, and uh, the Patriots aren't looking good right now. So, so what do you? So, so anyway, last night I said uh, my hot take was that Jacksonville was the best team despite their lost ninety six loss to Tennessee. Jacksonville is the best team in Florida, um, and they they very much disagreed. And uh, so my uh, so Tampa Bay is better than Jacksonville. They think they thought Tampa. Mm, so before I have to agree so with before, you there. Tampa Bay doesn't have night, Jacksonville's defense. Bef- exactly. Before last night, they thought they said no way. Tampa Bay, it's you're you're crazy. You're crazy. So their they theirs their their top five looked identical: Rams, Chiefs, Tampa Bay, Saints, Jacksonville. Mine was Chiefs, Rams, Saints, Jacksonville, Tampa Bay. Uh, what do you what are your top five right now? I would definitely say Rams number one, Chiefs number two. Um, Jacksonville would be my number three. Ahead of New Orleans? Uh, yes, ahead of New Orleans. Well, New Orleans, you know, they just, I know they won the other day, but they. How about the, how about the, what, what that looked for the Browns defense though? With, well, they put up 40 some points week yeah. one, 40 yeah. some Sunday, and then the Browns held them to two touchdowns. Yeah. So that's pretty yeah. nuts. And gifted them one of them. So uh-huh. it was, it was a great scheme they had. Speaking of the Browns, we were at the game Thursday, as the whole world knows now, because I found a sly way to fit it in the sermon this weekend. Uh, that was about as subtle as a sledgehammer. 
Um, well, it was so cool because, as I said, we it was a Super Bowl victory someday. Hopefully, will be more lasting in its joy, mm-hmm. but it won't be greater. You know, this was a this was a short hit of of that joy of. To me, it felt like an AFC Championship. You know, like there was a celebration sure, that we've sure. done something we haven't done, but in yeah. a while at least. But there's still work to be done. There's still, yeah. you know, there's still stuff coming forward. Yeah, it's pathetic. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, it is just so lame that 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 we as Browns fans celebrate like that. It's it's stunning. Like I say, I always go back to I'm old enough to remember when the Browns were good, you know, and really good. Sixties, they were the class of the NFL, and then the, and then the Packers emerged. Actually, Lombardi, you know, he patterned everything off of Paul Brown and the Browns. So, mm-hmm. uh. So, yeah, we experienced that that night. It's not just that the Browns won. It's the way they won. Mm-hmm. This former and how we saw them, too. My son, Gunner, came along. It was his yeah, first Browns game. Yeah, which was game, so, so rich. The I've, three of us yeah, won. Um, yeah, yeah it, was yeah, it, was, uh, it was really just an ultimate night. Football is not about football. It's about family. It's about relationships, about how we share all that. It's, it sounds mm-hmm. like, I mean, I, you know, it sounds like I'm saying that to say the spiritual thing or the prioritized thing but it's the truth it's i mean people that say that's sappy are the same are, their substitute for that is a bar yeah <laughs> yeah yeah you know yeah so we we got to experience it. i was so so thankful I'm thankful for my friend glenn Plumby who who g- gave us uh, a couple tickets and it was it was really rich uh but the way it happened is is so inspiring because you had this former walk-on at Texas Tech. Two-time walk-on. Former walk-on at Texas Tech who then didn't make it there, walked mm-hmm. on to Oklahoma, and undersized became the Heisman Trophy winner, number one pick in the draft. And he is a – I think the one thing is he is a consummate Cleveland quarterback in that he's six feet tall, he's undersized, he, he fits Cleveland, he's spunky. Mm-hmm. And, of course, beauty is in the eye of the beholder because last year that same spunk was called cockiness by us Ohio State fans because he planted the flag in the middle of Ohio Stadium. Mm-hmm. But now we love it. We call it, we call it moxie now. <laughs> we well, I think we all felt spark. the same way when he was drafted. You know, I, I, I was leaning towards Josh Allen and my uh, non-expert football expertise. Um, I like Josh Allen for the Browns to draft him. The minute they didn't, and they drafted Baker Mayfield. I was absolutely ecstatic. I loved it, you know, because yeah. he's what he's the play, he's the, he's a Dennis Rodman type, and that you, you hate him if he's not on your team, but if he's on your team, you You're just right. Right. you want him to to. He just fits the Browns, blue collar, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. in spark, uh, very very um, gritty, as we're going to talk about, and uh, we'll see. I mean, we were there, so we got to see. We were only twenty seven rows up. So we got to see him throw before people were open with yeah. power and accuracy. So it w- it was legitimate uh, NFL quarterback. Mm-hmm. Now I I told you I think he's going to have struggles because he does that. People are going to jump his routes. They're going to mm-hmm. they're going to make adjustments, and he's going to have to adjust to that. But he's legitimate. He's he's the real deal. Ceiling's the, high for the, him. The, it is. I mean, he's a shorter version of Brett Favre in many ways. Mm-hmm. He'll sling it, and he'll. If he throws four interceptions, he'll he'll still try to fit it into the window the next time, and uh, we'll get you some wins. That alone, that that those guts. I I love that the Browns, as you've talked about for so long, they never had guys that the seemed like the the Ravens, the Steelers, or even the Bengals had. 
You know, they, yeah. they never had they never had the the bullies and the thugs on the team. They didn't. They and didn't now with Baker right. and Jarvis Landry, they kind That's of right. have the they do they have the guys that are um, instigators and a little bit of they do. The bullies and thugs on the team. Yeah, you know? and that was that to me has always been the underestimated thing about the AFC North is the the the, the Bengals have now figured out in the last few years, and the Steelers and the Ravens had is they're just nasty, mm-hmm. you know, big thick mean guys mm-hmm. and. Uh, the Browns always looked like the junior varsity playing the varsity. Literally, physically, they weren't as they weren't as mature because they're so young. But they just weren't nasty. And now you got guys like Landry. He'll he'll get it started. Yeah. And, uh, and I mean that in the most Christian way. Well, uh, I, I, you know the other the other win, and I don't know if we talked about this, but the other win to me was you. I mean, through the first few games, we've had Denzel Ward, first round draft pick, Miles Garrett, first round number one last year. Um, they were keeping us in games and almost winning us those games, you know. So that's been big. But um, and Joe Schobert too. Uh, but also, I think it was the first time in my memory that the Browns went head to head against a team that had a guy that they could have drafted, but they didn't because they drafted another guy. The guy so, I would have drafted. I would have drafted Sam Darnold. Really? Yeah. See, and and so. This is, and this just seems like the first time I can remember where our guy that we did draft outplayed the guy we could have drafted. Yeah, it's true. And that, that was from, you know, so I thought in the, the three levels of a football organization, the players on the, you know, on the field, the coaches, and then in the, um, the guys in the suits, it seemed like a win just all across the board. Like this is what yeah. being an NFL team looks like. It is. is when you, yeah. your players are doing well, your coaches are doing well, and you know, yeah. the, the, the players are playing their heart out and the management screwing it up, yeah. <laughs> you know, which yeah. is what it's been yeah. forever. John L. Smith. Uh-huh. So uh, that, was, that was cool Yeah, to me. well, in that game, Miles Garrett had a sack. He controlled the last scrimmage. Denzel Ward turned the game around. Yeah, Joe Schobert had an interception. The, yeah, yeah. And then Baker came in and did what he did. Yeah, it was, it was uh, you know, one, one, and one. <laughs> one, one, and one. You know, the only Browns fans. Uh, then the other big, probably the big sport, Boarding event of the weekend mm-hmm. was the remarkable win by Tiger Woods. So I was, you know, the God bless DVR because I was able to watch the Labor Cup in Chicago and flip through that. I didn't watch all of it, but then I was able to watch all of mm-hmm. Tiger's march to the Tour Championship win. And um, you know, I'm I'm ambivalent about him. I've always been just such a so intrigued by his golf ability, but turned off by spitting on the golf course, cursing on the golf course. He mm-hmm. he just hasn't ever shown respect. Two things for the I do game. on the tennis court. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, you don't spit, but you do a lot of cursing. Uh, you 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 know, just Nicholas and Palmer set mm-hmm. the standard of class in a game that is about decorum in many ways. And so, but I, uh, now more than ever that he's, his brokenness is public. I feel I want him to succeed mm-hmm. because just the story of someone who's really broken. And then I, I read that book this summer by, oh, yeah. the, the, you got to read it. It's, 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 a, it's an incredible biography of him uh, and very psychological. Like it delves deeply into his origins, and and the guy never had a chance to be a normal human being. Um, I think it's fair to say, coming from someone who was raised in a very dysfunctional family, I know it well. I mean, just dysfunctional off the charts. Mm-hmm. His dad, in particular, and then his mom. It just he never had a chance. Never had a chance. Uh, it's easy to judge someone like that until you realize how he was raised and. 
the fact that he became a serial adulterer and, and mm -hmm. a sex addict has it's been known. But then, of course, he had major surgeries, a spinal fusion, okay? Spinal fusion. And he has come back. A year ago, he couldn't, he, he, he got permission to chip and putt. Wow. I, I, I think this is top five greatest wins of his career. It's kind of like the equivalent of a sprinter not being able to walk. It really is. I mean, everything in the golf swing is, is torque. Mm -hmm. It's turn. It's turning around the spine. You're, it's what you do. You turn around the spine. You have a fixed, your fixed spine, and everything turns around that, loads and unloads. And here he is. It just looks unbelievable. Mm -hmm. I mean, his ball flight. And now with the, the ball tracker that they have on the golf oh, course, which yeah. is fantastic. It's taking golf telecast to another level. You get to see his ball flight, and just his ability to curve the ball now is more evident than ever because of what you can see. And he won, and I and I thought when we talked about what we're going to talk about this week, uh, it's just, I love to talk about the stories of grit. Um, as a person myself, that you know, I had to, I I mean I've always been undersized for the sports I chose. Uh, I admire Baker Mayfield mm -hmm. greatly. Um, as a person who feels ill-equipped for ministry and leadership in many ways, because of how I was raised, I wasn't born on third base. You know, mm -hmm. when it comes to leadership and everything i had to have mentors who really helped with that but i admire someone who can in spite of being exposed and still be in the public eye i admire that so let's talk today and just remind our listeners that there is only one talent that matters it is grit as angela duckworth if you've not read her book grit she says it so well in that book. It's the only true talent because we see people who have amazing abilities, mm -hmm. and but they're not able to burst through stopping points. That's what separates people. I quit piano lessons I wish I wouldn't have. I quist, quit tennis lessons I wish I wouldn't have. I quit my my advanced degree, I wish I wouldn't have. I mean, it's just what separates people. And I know you know I've had many quitting points in ministry where I just thought, this isn't worth it. Mm -hmm. And today, now, 33 years into leadership, and I, you know, I know I say that a lot because it means a lot to me. I mean, I never thought I would make it because I just didn't, I just, just didn't feel like I was equipped. It just grit. The Holy Spirit's grit in me is what's kept me in the game. I'm thankful, you know, because now we, we see so much fruit in our lives from grit. So from your standpoint, you're, you're 28 years old. You are an old soul in many ways because you've demonstrated grit in, in so many ways. How do you emotionally respond to the connection of Tiger and Baker? Now, setting aside your Browns fan, setting aside you've always been a Tiger fan, Spiritually, how does the how do the stories hit you? Hmm. Uh, something you've heard me talk about before is a, is in Matthew twenty four. Spirit is willing, flesh is weak. When the disciples fall asleep, mm -hmm. um, uh, having watch over Jesus in Gethsemane, and um, I think that that's something I've always taken into um, running and and things. But uh, I mean, there when when grit is ex is exercised. And someone endures something, 
difficult. I think you're seeing the veil lifted from the physical into the spiritual a little bit, right? There's something that that is they're going beyond flesh. Yeah, they're going beyond what their their mind and body are both telling them what their their limitations are. And which sixty percent? Are your brain tells you to quit when your body is at sixty percent of what it can do? Mm. That's so. That's what the ultra marathoners know. It's yeah. not your body that wants to quit. It's your brain. You have to, you have to break through the, mm-hmm. the brain barriers. Oh, really. distance runners say you know all the time that you know you're um, you know you just got to tell yourself the well is deep and your brain is going to make up uh, make up injuries. You know, yeah. and, and, and yeah. there are things that will start to be aching. Uh, there was yeah. a, I think, it, it, there was a video that came out this weekend. It was on Twitter that was, you might have seen it. It was Tiger, and um, he was sitting in an interview of some sort with someone, and they handed him an iPad or some kind of tablet, and uh, on it, it was a oh, I saw that. an edit of just basically anyone and everyone on uh, public media that said anything from, he'll never, you know, uh, come top 10 again he'll never uh, make a cut again his career's over and just bashing him for about two minutes he's just sitting there watching this on air um, and he smiles afterwards he's, he's done he hands the tablet back uh, I think I think that you know that's um, there's something really you know uh, natural and physical about about that that uh, it can only be handled it can only be endured um spiritually because he, you know he's he, his his own spirit to to get through that because it, it's his mind is broken down obviously his body's broken down obviously so there's you know when we talk mind body and spirit I mean there's a third dimension there that to our to our to our existence that um, that we probably don't tap into very much us mere mortals that aren't the Tiger Woods and the Baker Mayfields as much as we think we ought to because I th- when we see those athletes that do that um, I mean, they they seem to go to some other plane of focus. Mm-hmm. They seem to um, they 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 tap into something that is beyond pain, that is beyond pressure, that is beyond distraction, and uh, I, th- I think that's that's what he yeah. he he some he he found out what that tasted like because he used to be there all the time. Right. I mean, you know, if it wasn't, he didn't have the pain earlier in his career, Tiger Woods, but he certainly had the pressure and the distractions and, and all of that. Um, I think that was what was cool to see as he, it was like he, ah, I remember what this, this, this um, spiritual focus is like, this, um, this, this, this other third of myself is like. Uh, that was that was it was it was cool. I didn't watch it live, but um, uh, yeah, I was happy for him. Yeah, it was really neat. Well, you know, I I think one of the things that great achievers know that you see, and it's one of the reasons that athletics is so appealing to us, is is it's a physical display of really what matters in life of team and character and uh, perseverance, grit is the great ones all embrace the grunt. Mm-hmm. They, the grit is really just embracing pain in process. Mm-hmm. I've told you one of the things when I'm running, and running is suffering. Mm-hmm. There's not, there's not, if you want to be a runner, you gotta, you're, what you're doing is you're embracing suffering. So the most common scripture that I meditate on when I'm running is 
the Colossians 124. It's just an amazing statement. Paul says, I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. So he says, I'm still adding up. I'm a part of Christ's suffering. Mm-hmm. I see my life through the lens of the redemptive power of struggle. It started on the cross, and I'm living that out. I'm still, I'm still living that out. And bear I bear the marks on my body. Yeah, bear the marks on my body. And and uh, you know, so when I run, when when I'm today, you and I played tennis today, and I was tired. And you just, you just part of the value of physical training. First Timothy four, Paul says, train for godliness. Physical training is of some value, but godliness has value both for the present life and the life to come. And Peterson translates that, workouts, work out daily in God. Physical workouts are good, but mm-hmm. daily workouts in God are profitable forever. And, you know, for me, the, the value of working out physically is it, it is a spiritual metaphor. Mm-hmm. So, I know for me, for years, I've, I've just always tried to translate, I'm going to do one more rep. I'm going to go, I'm going to finish this hard because it is a metaphor of, it's a training for, you know, finishing the race in my marriage, finishing the race, race as a parent, finishing the race as a, as a leader. When I want to quit, break through the quitting points, break through the quitting points. And that's where the grit is existing when we're talking about someone like Tiger or Baker and how he got a scholarship at a major university like OU um, is, is not the... Because there's there's something pretty glamorous even about grit, if it's in front of with ninety thousand people following you, right? It's you know like to tough it out there. Like if you know if he had an injury there and he's you know walking to the you know limping to the eighteenth tee and he's you know that there's some you know you feel well, it's like glorious, Russell, but I, I think it's embarrassing too though. I mean he had the only way well, the I, only I, way I to mean train that, for tournament golf is to play tournament golf. So he had to look like a hack for him. Mm-hmm. But all the 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 grit that it. What I'm saying, the the grit really mostly existed when no one was looking. Mm -hmm. The nights on the range, exactly, exactly. Baker throwing passes, you know, to no one. That's right. Uh, I know for me, I mean, running is a great example. It's the only thing I can compete at really. Um, You know, there's nothing harder in my week than um, than a 6 a.m. track workout when no one's around. Right. And I'm not, and I'm not, and I'm, and I'm chasing a time on my watch, not someone next to me yeah and that's really hard it is. and it's hard because no, no one's watching you know right. there's, that's right. there's, there's no and and so i so i know that i mean how many times of you know uh, that's only twice a week for me like you know how many mornings and nights and afternoons that tiger has has had those no one watching yeah. um especially after the taste of people watching too and people celebrating yeah. that's yeah. that's something remarkable i i know he might he might not be all the way there um he might be a little arrogant and has been a little bit but there's just some great humility. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there's humility to greatness in that it takes that being alone on the track mm-hmm. to become good at anything, right? Mm-hmm. So there, that, that's yes, certainly great achievers can be arrogant, but there is a humility to it, the, the, mm-hmm. the surrender to the process, mm-hmm. to the loneliness, really. Yeah, I mean, the, the humility to the boredom exists within that spiritual side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you've heard me say it a zillion times. One of my favorite Proverbs on this, Proverbs 20, verse 4, look it up. A slugger does not plow in season, so at harvest he looks and finds nothing. Hmm. In other words, everybody wants the harvest. Nobody wants to be out plowing alone. And that verse, is that proverb is simply saying that if you want the harvest, you better be willing to put in the time alone. You better be willing to be bored, to be lonely, to do things that are not going to get applause. I told your mom uh, the other day, I said, Austin, on our podcast last week, and she li- I tell her this because she likes hearing this. Mm-hmm. this is, you know, your mom loves hearing this stuff. Yeah. I said, he gave me, I think, the best compliment I've ever been given. I said, uh, he, he was talking about how people ask him, well, when are you going to start doing what your dad does? When are you going to take his place? Mm-hmm. And he said, I never said this, but uh, I want to say it now. Do you think I'm just going to jump? Do you think you just decide to do that one day? Like, I think I'll, I think I'll, I think I'll lead a church. I think I'll. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, and what I appreciate that is nobody, I have no bigger fan than you which is awesome for a dad. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nobody who, who's a bigger fan who analyzes what I do more, who understands the art of it. And, and I said, that is the highest compliment I think I have ever gotten because mm-hmm. it's someone who's acknowledged that for me, in my little world, it's a painful pro. It's been a painful process. I mean, it just, you don't just mm-hmm. wake up one day and say, I think I'll go into church ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, lead church leadership, and so I treasure that because I value grit. I, I value that stick-to-itiveness. I, I don't value flash. I value faithfulness. And I, even you know, P- Baker's going to struggle, mm-hmm. but you know why I have confidence in him? He knows what it is to struggle. Yeah, he knows he's going to struggle. He knows, he, know, he knows what it is. I, I do have a question of, uh, and it's something, and it fits in with this. Um, and I was thinking about asking it today, as a result of having a lot of conversations about Baker Mayfield this weekend. Um, and oh, by the way, everybody was so happy. I mean, like, it was so cool. I have so the many church texts. Was, Congratulations. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you even thought amazing. we won the Super Bowl because everybody was so happy. Yeah. When I said it, when I mentioned it, I talked Two about it at Patriots church. Two different Patriots fans text me. <laughs> oh, my god! Congratulations. Like, when Pats fans are, are doing that. <laughs> but, you know, the Browns are harmless. They're like the little dog with no teeth, you know? Yeah. And so everybody yeah. loves the little dog. But, uh, yeah, it's, people were happy. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> so... Like we're talking about, like grit is, and I don't, I don't know where it fits in the spectrum of. I'm sure there's, there's a degree in which it's, it's, you know, so that you know, there's learned and, and kind of inherent behavior that we exact in our lives and our crafts. And I don't know, I think you know, uh, grit is something that can be learned. Um, and there's certainly people that are just kind of born a little grittier than others, right? Mm-hmm. I and think Baker's so. probably someone that's born yeah, a little bit, think, uh, he's yeah. just a little rougher. Yeah. And we've all known kids like that growing up that were yeah. just more prone to fight than other kids. Um, but so one thing I'm thinking about with Baker is, you know, so he comes, you know, the, you know, we sat in traffic in downtown Cleveland for about two hours after the game almost. And, um, and, so we're a million go, people will say that will say they were there that night. Yeah. You know? I mean, it felt like it. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, with the tribe wanted playing that night too. Yeah. Um, and so we're listening to all those pressers uh, of the players, Landry, um, Batonio, uh, just all the guys, and um, 
and all of them had shared the same sentiment of Baker. Uh, all of them asked the same question as well. Were you nervous down 14 nothing late in the second quarter? Rookie comes in, never taking a snap, doesn't even practice with the first team. How did it, you know, were you nervous? And all of them just had the same, mm-hmm. had the same language, you know, as far as not at all, um, not just players speak, you know, teammates speak, but like... You could tell they meant it. They, this has truly appeared to them. The, the, and we you see it at hard knocks. Mm-hmm. There wasn't really the rookie hazing with mm-hmm. Baker. Mm-hmm. There wasn't, and this is this is a, a white Heisman Trophy winning quarterback that got a, a lot bigger contract than a lot of these veterans, mm-hmm. and they all love him as a peer. And the interesting, and so there's this, there's there's this obvious, and you listen to him in his press conference, and you know, and Baker, and there's this there's this leadership about him that like older guys, the upperclassmen just love him. And so the, my question was. When I, I, you know, I've, I've, I've sat through a lot of GLSs and listened to a lot of them in your '94 Honda Accord, and and so I've, I've just heard a lot, a lot about leadership it was my entire 93, life. '93, '93, uh, potato, potato. You know, I've, I've just heard leadership my whole life, and I've always thought of the GLS as the GMS, the Global Management Summit, because really there, there's usually just only, from what I see, there's only ever two or three people I'd fall off a cliff. Everyone else is giving you how to manage people. Because there's a difference between leading mm-hmm. a team and being a leader, mm-hmm. right? Like logistically taking a group of people and exacting out the, your objective of meeting a goal um, or a bottom line or whatever and saying, no, here's my vision and I'm going to instigate you as, as an apostle and, and move you into discomfort, into disequilibrium <laughs> and take you to a place that I know will be better for you someday to some promised mm-hmm. land. That's that, And I think those are... There one is learned behavior, and one's inherent, and I think that's as a question. I feel like pe- I hear people asking a lot around GLS time, um, or just throughout throughout the year. Is um, it's not so simple as I don't think I'm a leader, or it's not so simple as I'm just not a you know people person. Or I'm too busy. I think there is that to people. There's apathy there. There's there's a self confidence issue, but but mostly um, beyond just neurotic thinking, I think there. Is, I think people do deep down know when they see a leader and when they don't, mm-hmm. as opposed to knowing when I'm being led by someone, mm-hmm. as a as a in a, in a mm-hmm. management standpoint, and as uh, like uh, Craig Rochelle compared mm-hmm. to um, that Norwegian Nordic guy. You know, like I'm not following that guy anywhere. But mm-hmm. Craig Goshell, I don't care. But he's what, a great I, thinker, but he's, he's a great not, thinker. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you know, I don't know. You know, Craig Goshell's philosophy, his theology. I don't know, but man, that that fall mm-hmm. like off a cliff. Mm-hmm. I think you know, and so there's that there's that quality with Baker. Like he doesn't yeah. he doesn't yeah. have his Baker Mayfield seven yeah. steps to leadership. Well, I've he just quit. has. There's there's guys who could put psychedelic hair on and 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 get a chance started at, in a stadium, and people just do it. Mm-hmm. And then there, are, you know, there are people who could try that, and no, nobody could do that. So how much of it is the like the charisma? Like a, a Baker Mayfield just walks into a training camp, and it's just like, it's just because he's in the room, guys are going to rally around him. Well, I think people. The one thing that people like Baker Mayfield have is a is a self abandonment. They're willing. People know they're willing to fail and still get up, and so they'll follow him. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's to leaders. People have that gift. There is a self-abandonment that I trust you because you clearly don't have it to just protect yourself. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> you've made it evident that you're willing to put yourself out there. You know, leadership, most of the, 90% of the time, leadership is putting other people in front. The 10% of the time is when leadership goes in front is when you don't know what, we don't know where we're going. That's when, right? Mm-hmm. The path isn't clear. That's when you got to be in front. And people follow that person that says, you're willing to be crazy. You're willing to be sacked. You're willing to take the heat for throwing interceptions. You're willing to take the heat for doing something different. People, they see that, yeah. Did you listen to his presser yesterday? Because that, that's, that's, I mean, uh, coincidentally or not, that was his entire, that was, that was kind of his pat answer to every question yesterday was, my job as a quarterback is, you would have thought he was the water boy honestly. Mm-hmm. And that my job as a quarterback is just to make people succeed. Yeah, It's not to get, yeah. you know, and it wasn't just like the, I'm not about stats. It was truly, um, I'm just like, I want Jarvis to be the best player he can be. Yeah, I want Rashard Higgins yeah. to be the best player he can be. I want, that's that's why know. those guys are following him. Mm-hmm. He, has, he has a lot of those qualities, you know, he, he does. And we got, we're out of time. We got to, I could just talk about Baker Mayfield all day. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a dear friend, you, you know, Jr. in Indiana. His wife's Oklahoma Sooner, um, and and I I, I I showed the video. Baker ran toward us mm-hmm. when he was running to the locker room, and I sent that six second video <laughs> to Jr. and and his bride and uh, Leanne, and and I said, I love Baker Mayfield. I, and, I find and myself. She texts back. She goes, "I've got dibs on him." <laughs> I find myself cheering for Oklahoma. That's amazing. I, need to, I know. Like last I last know. weekend, I'm, I'm well, pulling for and, and the reason is, just last year, she just loved it when oh, Oklahoma yeah. won and Baker mm-hmm. planted the flag, and I'm like, "Oh, we would never do something like that." <laughs> now I'm like, "Man, I have turned." Whatever it is that today you want to quit, that's a noble task. Read that extra page. Do that extra rep, run that extra hundred meters, um, bust through, crash through a quitting point today and make that a habit and you'll see what happens. Oz, close us out. Uh, one last fact about Tiger I meant to bring up. His last tournament win was came 600 days um, sooner than the last Michigan win against Ohio State. Oh, so, ouch. There's that too. Ouch. So you got that going for you. Thanks, which Twitter. Which is nice. Thanks, Twitter. With that, Chuck says, see you next week.